Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. I am so glad that you're here with us today, um, and, I, and I hope that you're having a wonderful morning already. Um, the word that I have for you today is going to be coming from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. So um, if you want to grab your Bibles, we'll also be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to grab your Bibles and, and get yourself ready to be in God's word, then that would be lovely. Uh, I always encourage you to have your Bibles handy because, you know, sometimes when you come across God's word, especially passages maybe that you've read a few times through that could become a monotonous or an overplay of passages, sometimes it's good to read it with fresh eyes while somebody else reads it to you. And when you have your word with you, you can underline the things that are standing out, the things that are challenging, questions that might come up that you wanna write in the margin. So I encourage you to have your Bibles with you. But I wanna say, friends, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And this is indeed true. And yet, things still feel a little undone, don't they? Like, how does the truth of today, of resurrection, change the difficulties of tomorrow? Because loss and lack and weariness still exists even in the post-resurrection day, right? Like, most most of the time we think, oh, well, we've, we've come to Sunday. Everything is better now. Like, you know, the, the, on Good Friday services, I've heard so many times different pastors say, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming with all the swagger in their voice and pep in their step like they know something that the rest of us don't quite know yet. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Well, friends, Sunday is here. It is a day I've longed for throughout this dry and weary wilderness time of Lent and COVID and lack and loss. I am desperate for today. I am desperate for a fresh word of truth that can pinball back and forth throughout myself and sustain me when things get out of hand tomorrow. But the truth has already been said. It's been told for 2000 years. I just tend to forget it. So I need to hear it every year. And maybe you do too. So let's hear this story again. The story from Mark's perspective. Mark is the first gospel written in the Bible, even though it comes after Matthew chronologically. It is the first one that was written. Um, and so I'm going to read that for us today. Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe and sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, 
He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. May the Lord add a blessing to this reading. Thanks be to God. Friends, I'm looking for a fresh word to pinball through me. When the days of resurrection and the hope of today gets lost in the weariness of tomorrow. We arrive at Easter Sunday with resurrection on our minds and, and with hope and new life and a God who didn't leave us behind, but walked through and went through it all before us and with us and, and now is with us. A God who walked this earth as Jesus Christ. And when I think of how Jesus lived, you know, we don't have much information about his young growing up life in the Bible. We have a lot of his ministry with his disciples, those last three years of his life before he was killed. But those, those first 30 years of his life, we don't have much information about him. But we know that he worked a monotonous job for 20 years hard work and carpentry and working in this family business because it was the right thing to do. And friends, if you feel like you are doing a job that's just a job to keep paying the bills and take care of your family, Jesus did that too. Jesus spent three years talking about what God's way looks like, and he showed what God's way looked like. God's way looks like loving unlovable people, sharing your stuff, not taking more than you need and honoring God with your time and your abilities. It looks like forgiveness instead of retaliation, patience instead of bullying, mercy instead of violence, justice instead of hatred. And it also looks like receiving the truth of your lovability, that you are cherished by God in your present state. And Jesus showed this by who he spent time with and who he ate with. He ate with tax collectors and sinners and sex workers and rebels and sick people. Jesus showed us how cherished we are by freely giving his life and dying on the cross to bring about a new kind of life to this earth. One marked by grace, mercy, justice, forgiveness, and love. The Easter story isn't simply about resurrection and a dead man coming back to life. It is also about what it means to be human and to be fully alive. Resurrection contains an invitation to live fully free into your own belovedness that before anything else, before anything you've done or left undone, you are beloved. You are cherished. God is totally captivated by you. And the truth, this truth of God's love for you, man, that is like the base note of all of life. It is the undercurrent, the heartbeat, the rhythm of what it means to be human. Our humanity doesn't come from our strivings. It doesn't come from our insecurities or our success. Your humanity comes from the truth of your belovedness. And now we all know that life looks messy and complicated and undone. Like that's obvious to us. We, 
we haven't been born with like a bow around our storyline and some sort of like happily ever after at the end of our lives in place. We're born into messy, complicated, and undone life even after Jesus rose from the dead. Resurrection doesn't undo the messy reality of life that we all know. I think we want resurrection to make everything better for us though. I mean, unfortunately it doesn't give us all the answers. It doesn't provide us a map with all the ways that we're supposed to go and all the decisions we're supposed to make in our lives. This is why I love Mark's gospel account of the resurrection, what we just read, because it's so brutally honest. For a long time, I hated it because I want the happily ever after. I want it all wrapped up nice and neat, something I can present. Like I want things to be buttoned up with clear answers and detailed descriptions that I can hang my hat on and make sense of. I want resurrection wrapped in a bow and handed to me so I can rejoice and feel good and celebrate with like a photo booth and champagne where I shout, Christ is risen and you all shout out, he's risen indeed. Maybe this is why other Markan manuscripts, later Markan manuscripts, added 11 more verses to the end of Mark's gospel. And, and these other endings, they're not false or untrue. They're found in other testimonies of what happened after Christ rose from the dead. They're, they're found in other gospel accounts like Matthew and Luke. And, and in John, uh, but it, they were added later on to Mark's gospel because the ending wasn't quite right. Mark didn't finish the story in the way that could bring about a clear and satisfying conclusion. Friends, no one writes hymns and songs about they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. <laughs> That's how the gospel ends. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. There's no song about that. But friends, I, I believe the way that Mark ended his gospel is such good news for us because life is messy and we don't arrive wrapped in a bow with our destiny or our future perfectly mapped out for us. Mark's gospel is good news because resurrection isn't a conclusion. It is a beginning. It is the beginning. You know, this year has challenged most of us in ways that we never thought that we could ever make through or overcome. The amount of death and despair and depression and fear has bulldozed humanity over. We've had so much loss this year. We've lost routines and jobs, income, family members, friends, homes, health. This past year has not been a banner year for most of us or our loved ones around the globe. And it hasn't been anything with good health or happiness or success and wealth because that wasn't what, a, this is not what this year has looked like. And it certainly wasn't that way for the disciples either. Those disciples, didn't have a banner year after Christ rose from the dead. Things were really hard for them post-resurrection. Just because Jesus rose from the dead didn't make life hunky-dory or full of ease. 
They experienced extreme persecution, starvation, betrayal, blame, and abandonment. They lost friends, family, careers, homes, health, income, like many of us have as well. Did the resurrection of Jesus Christ make everything better in regards to health, wealth, and happiness for them? Absolutely not. But they did have Jesus with them in the midst of their uncertainties. Friends, we have the resurrected Christ with us. If you have given your life to serve and honor Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And this is a great mystery, but it is truer than anything else this world has to offer. You are the beloved home of God. You house the purposes of God. You house heaven within you because you are cherished by God. Not perfect, not put together, but beloved. So when life is full of loss and lack and you feel attacked from every side, you will not be crushed or destroyed. The resurrected Christ who overcame sin and death guards your heart and mind. And this is where I find a beautiful experience of this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writes, for God said, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Friends, this has been a dark season. And Christ, light says, to, to shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this light of Christ, this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Man, when those disciples were hard pressed by impossible circumstances, they carried the resurrected Christ with them because in, into those impossible circumstances. They didn't need a map. They didn't need a guide because Jesus guided them into those right paths. And they may not have known what the end would look like and they probably didn't have some sort of conclusion in their mind. Their destiny or their future wasn't wrapped up with a nice bow and easily presentable in PowerPoint for other people to see. But they were looking for the ending. They were living for resurrection because resurrection isn't the conclusion to the story of Christ. It is the beginning of our story. We don't end at resurrection. It's where we begin. It's the foundation we build from, not the last piece to a puzzle. Mark ends his gospel with the Greek word gar, and this last word, this very last word in the entire gospel means because, it means for. He ends this gospel with a word of continuation. I don't think Mark forgot to conclude his gospel. I, I think it was more, there was more to the story and of resurrection. But even in the midst of our fear and our uncertainty and doubt and trembling, we begin where it ends. And I love how, how Paul says at the end of 
chapter 4 and verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, God loves you so desperately. God is not disappointed in you or wishes you were a different person. God delights in you because God made you with all your uniqueness and personality. When God created you, God smiled and thought that you were exactly what God loved most about creation. And I see God reaching out to you with the most loving look, beckoning you to choose to belong and to daily receive this love into your life. Through Christ on the cross, death doesn't have the final word. COVID doesn't have the final word. Your impossible circumstances doesn't have the final word. There is a deeper word of truth that's been roaring throughout this earth and it is the truth of your belovedness. Resurrection shows us that nothing can separate Jesus' love from humanity, not even death. And Jesus will do anything to convince you that you are worthy of love. Now for me, it is much easier to be convinced by my insecurities or to be convinced of my undesirability or my annoying personality or my feelings like I'll never measure up. And while those parts of me are distortions and not reality, they are often easier for me to accept than the actual truth of God's love for me. This is why church is so important because it's easier for you, my friends, to see my belovedness than it is for me sometimes. And it is easier for me to see your belovedness than it is for you to see in yourself sometimes. And you speak the truth of my belovedness into me and I speak the truth of yours back to you as we bear that light of Christ to the world. And sometimes knowing and receiving how loved we are by God is a process. It is being a part of life together. It's being in relationship with each other, speaking the truth into each other's lives. And we grow in this truth and knowledge over years. Now, some people just know it easily. They, they receive it and they're like, changed by it. But others, it's a gradual experience of accepting the reality of our belovedness. And still others, like the disciple Thomas, couldn't even receive it until he physically touched Christ. Wherever you are, friends, you belong and you are still loved. This is what it looks like to live as resurrected people, even in the midst of this world of lack and loss and weariness. Resurrection is where we begin, not where we end. And then we live it out in that process. 
So may we begin today as a resurrection people, intent on declaring how beloved we are and how Christ's eternal love goes before us and behind us and all around us. And may this love pinball within us as we continue forth together. May the peace and grace of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ be with you today and always.